Hello and welcome to Beach Got News, the podcast that shines a spotlight on ordinary people with extraordinary missions. This is a podcast focusing on the problems facing our coastal communities and the inspiring people behind the solutions. I'm your host, freelance journalist Charlotte Scotland, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what drives them. Thousands of miles of nets and lines are set in the world's oceans each day. Fishing gear, often undetectable by sight and extremely strong, is very efficient at catching target catch, but sadly, also everything else in its path. A staggering amount of marine life, including turtles, dolphins and seals, are often hauled up with the catch dead or dying. But one company in Devon is developing technology to eradicate the issue and reduce the industry's impact on the marine environment. The number of tried and tested products from Fishtech Marine continues to grow since the company's inception in 2017. Only a small team of impressive minds and a united mission, they've established a global reputation as reliable and effective problem solvers. So it should be no surprise that I invited them onto this podcast. Tom Day is their fisheries support scientist. He's just got back from the Isle of Man. Tom, tell us, what were you getting up to over there? So I was uh, observing for one of the four observed scallop trials we've got going on. What we kind of set out to do about a year ago was to make an augmented pot that can catch scallops alongside crab and lobster. So I was basically out there measuring crabs, lobsters and, and a few scallops and then banking that alongside all the other data from Whitby, which was uh, our second trial, Dartmouth, which was our first. And then we've just started on our final one, which is in Foul Bay. You actually came across this low impact method for scallop fishing by accident, didn't you? Yeah. So part of the business like mentality, which um, Pete and Rob have, is a bit of a scattergun approach. So they'll issue pot lights, which are like these little electric, well, LEDs essentially that can be deployed to 1200 meters. And they issued them to loads of UK fishermen on the back of some science, which basically showed that snow crab can be attracted to light in the likes of areas such as Norway, uh, Newfoundland and Alaska. So we were trying to, well, we're hoping to see an increase in like brown crab or lobster take. But one of the Newland fishermen uh, by the name of John Ashworth, he noticed a few scallops coming into the pots. So he obviously told Rob and then Rob uh, went to go get a a fund together um, and an initial trial phase. And uh, over uh, 2020, 2021 winter, came back and yeah sure enough you could pop the scallops using light as an attractant i mean that sounds pretty cool and obviously not something that's been discovered until now but what are the benefits of this method comparative to say how we traditionally fish for scallops so traditionally the vast majority of scallops like 99 percent of scallops in the uk are caught using something called a dredge so that's essentially a, a big beam and then they'll have baskets with with metal prongs that'll be pulled across the seabed and then it'll flip the scallops off the seabed and into the basket and then behind it. So as you can imagine, that is quite an intensive method of fishing on the seabed. It releases quite a lot of carbon, as well as obviously degradating to an aspect. Mm. Whereas if we can pot passively, where essentially we draw things in and don't have to go and harvest them mobilely, then you have so many more benefits. Firstly, fishing effort on the ground can be reduced. But also a lot of the smaller vessels uh, in the inshore ports and things are these passive potting fishes. So if we can subsidise what they would catch ordinarily, such as brown crab and lobster, 
with a nice catch of scallops alongside and, and that can really help out their cash flow. Yeah, I mean, that's no doubt a welcome bonus because I know income for fishermen is usually less than certain. You talk about this passive method of fishing, which sounds brilliant, and not one fisherman I've ever met wants to harm the environment. But why do you think we still have people telling us that fishing can be so damaging? Fishing so broad, for instance, like trawling and dredging, there are so many different types within that term. Um, I think to say damaging, like fishing is damaging as a whole, is just not the case. Um, like passive methods of fishing, such as potting, I mean, you have a tiny footprint. So that's why like, as a company, we're all about passive methods of fishing. So if we can increase the attraction rate of high value species, such as scallop, snow crab, um, Pacific Atlantic cod into pots, I mean, that's a no brainer. I would never have thought they'd be attracted to lights. That's such a crazy thing. I don't know yeah. why, but it just does seem like it is. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we were, yeah, we were flabbergasted kind of when John told us about it. But yeah, it's, I mean, more and more species are, are coming up as being attracted to light. So yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, there's some incredible footage, not only of scallops, but of like cod being attracted to uh, illuminated krills because of the krill that like swarm under the lights. And then obviously that is a far better attractor than like traditional bait would be. So, I mean, it definitely sounds innovative and like it could really revolutionise the industry. I think there's a large push by a lot of consumers for more environmental methods of fishing. So there is more management coming in for passive gears of fishing. So if we can help the industry um, increase the effectiveness of that, then yeah, that would be lovely. A lot of people are aware of it, but again... I mean, there's a lot of cost of actually implementing these new technologies. And until you take that that leap and you see the actual hard like data behind it, um, I mean, I, I would be wary of implementing like thousands of pounds into new gear. Um, so that's kind of why we've gone for this augmented pot initially, which is like the first funding bid we went through with the Seafood Innovation Fund of DEFRA. And, and because what we've tried to do is we've tried to take like a really standard pot, uh, which is like, you know, a 36 inch uh, parlor pot. So uh, a traditional like, rectangular crab lobster pot will have an internal section called a parlor, which essentially is like a trapdoor mechanism. So when they wander in, they can't get out. So that's kind of one of the key principles we needed within the scallop pots because crab and lobsters love scallops as well as us. So they'll chew on them if they're left too long. What we've done is with the existing pots is we've lowered the ramp to less of an angle and then we've basically widened that eye to enable like maximum entrance area for scallops and then when you put a light in the middle they actually try and hit the light which is quite fascinating. How have the trials been going? Would you say they've been going successfully? Definitely um, but some of the I think some of the areas we found operate far better than others so part of the, the reason I went to the Isle of Man was because we were seeing like really good catch rates. So to give you an idea, we got 334 scallops off 252 pots. And that's in a traditional crab ground that wasn't uh, the best scallop densities around the island. So that area, having spoken to the Manx Fisheries Producer Organisation, has approximately about five scallops per 100 metres squared. However... Um, in other areas, there's between 40 and 80 scallops per 100 metres squared. Wow. That's really interesting that it tends to be sort of geography related as well. I guess you kind of got to delve a bit further into to why that is the case. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you'll find these bathymetry areas like where you will have like big rock sections or big valleys. And what something which we're constantly seeing throughout Dartmouth and the Isle of Man is if you pot at the bottom of these areas where, you know, you think scallops have been forced, whether by tide or predators, and basically become like lodged against these sections of rock and you pot along the boundary of them, that's where we've been finding the biggest holes. So in the Dartmouth trial, which wasn't the best trial we've had so far, we basically found a bit of a honey hole. We would come on to this one section. It was very specific, but, you know, we came up with 25 scallops in one pot off like a two-day soak, which is just amazing. Um, and then I've recently got a, a, a text from a Channel Island fisherman who we issued some lights to as well. And he had 38 scallops out of a single pot and then more than 60 over 10 pots total keepers i mean that shows you just how economical it can be off our course hey Whoa, jesus christ pot 19 that one pot 19 how many scallops in that one john let me one, just one two three four five six that's commercially viable, isn't it? Well, yeah, probably is. One other aspect you guys have been trying to tackle is this issue with bycatch. Experts believe since 1970 that there's been a 71% decline in shark and ray species because of fishing practices. And globally, they still estimate around 50 million sharks are killed by fishing and bycatch every year. So to come up with a way to reduce that by 90%, that is some stat. Can you tell us a bit about ShartGuard and how this gadget actually works? Yeah, so ShartGuard is a electro-pulse device. It's pretty small, and then it's fitted just above like a baited hook, which you get on, on long lines. Um, and it emits a 40-volt pulse, um, essentially encapsulating the hook. And then uh, when sharks go towards it, because they have these electrical receptors called Ampullaria Lorenzini, um, it overstimulates those and then cause like a, a, a deterrent effect. That's the concept behind it. And it was kind of conceptualized in 2014. So it's been going a while, but we're, uh, we are, we're getting there. So close. I mean, it feels like a major breakthrough. Now you know that Shark Guard works and so well. Um, you know, what happens next? How long will it take before it's commercially available? Yes, that's the big question. When's it going to be ready for the market? Currently, it uses a lithium battery. So uh, what we've decided to do, because that's not user-friendly, and ultimately we want to make sure that there is as minimal handling as possible, um, mm-hmm. we, we've decided to implement uh, induction charging. So when the hooks are brought on board, they'll be basically put in a row, something called like a storage bin, which is like called a magazine. And basically when the shark guard hits the wall of that storage bin, it will become charged and then it'll be deployed again brought on, charged, off again. So we've got to nail that, um, and that's what we're currently doing at the moment. Um, and we're also miniaturising it, so we're, we're hoping to shrink it down um, by about 50%, so it'll be really, really small. We think that ultimately that'll make it less visible to the target catch, as we, we didn't see a significant decrease in, in target catch, uh, but there was a very slight decrease, so that's why we think, think miniaturising it will be key. Now, those changes, hopefully, we'll have those figured out in the next year or two years. Um, and then we'll be ready to start kitting out boats. I mean, before that, 
ultimately we need to get the consumers to basically put pressures on these organizations so whether that's through environmental fisheries accreditation schemes such as the msc which will have a really good background to start pushing this or whether it's governance from the authorities where you know they'll favor vessels with better quotas if they have these really good mitigation measures in that's what's going to be needed to force or to push this into the industry quickly um but then again i mean you know since this has gone out we've had so much industry interest it's fantastic just seeing how many people want to get involved at this at this stage already so yeah, I was going to say, how receptive have the industry been? Because I know typically sometimes people can be a bit stuck in their ways, can't they? So are they receptive to these kinds of changes and methods? Yeah, hugely. I mean, our, our inbox has been has been off the chain, really, the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks, really. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's we're, we're, we're so close. We um, we just need to get those last two little things figured out and then and then we can start issuing it. It's brilliant. And I guess it can act as a catalyst as well in terms of looking at other ways that we can make sure that we're saving other animals and mammals like harbour porpoises and common dolphins, which I know are really commonly affected in the UK. Yeah, definitely. One of the other aspects of our business is the creation of pingers. So they're essentially little acoustic deterrents that you fit along your net and they'll ping and then that will stimulate dolphins to be like, oh, OK, there's something in the area or harbour porpoises, something in the area. I'll start echolocating. And then as a result, there's basically less of a chance that they'll be entangled within gears such as gill nets, um, which are widely used by the small scale inshore fleets. Um, and, you know, this is something that's being readily implemented at the moment globally. Um, so in the US, there's a couple of fisheries that have to have pingers. Like UK, um, off- offshore gill nets um, in certain ICs areas, they have to have pingers at certain times of the year. And Norway, um, so like some of, some of their cod fleet have to have pingers um, on their nets. So, I mean, that's fantastic. And a, a lot of these fisheries are MSC accredited. So, you know, when we start getting this building momentum of more and more managers and accreditation schemes kind of picking this up, then that's when I think we'll start to see wide scale, wide scale changes in, in fisheries. I know during the pandemic, um, particularly in Cornwall and Devon, um, sort of local fishermen started selling their produce straight from the harbours to locals which I thought was fantastic because you know it's literally coming out of the bay that you you know in your town um I mean that's just brilliant what's your favorite seafood dish well I've had a few scallops in my in in the last kind of 14 months so I don't know probably yeah probably a a good old scallop especially if it was an ex-test subject from the tank trials we did so (laughs) I mean scallops are tasty I don't blame you for choosing them um (laughs) you guys are based in Devon but obviously you travel a lot for work so do you have a favorite coastal spot that you like to visit in your downtime I would probably say Foul Bay or or the Lizard Peninsula in Cornwall you can't really beat that Thank you for tuning in to Beach Got News. If you enjoyed this episode, then please let us know by rating, sharing and subscribing. And don't forget to join us next week where we sink our teeth into another Coastline Conversation.